Are we already doing it? <laughs> Naturally, just coming back into the space. Can you hear me okay? Good. I want to share a few re- a few words of reflection around speech and how our words create our future. I know I really appreciated so much what you all said earlier. I can, of course, relate. We're all human beings on this planet. We've been around for a while. We've seen how speech affects our own hearts and, and others. We probably all have had the experience of being a little irritable or angry and saying something, saying something in a way with the energy or even with, you know, harsh, harsh words and then what happens. You know, we might even feel a little bit of a release because we've kind of passed on some of that, but then what happens to the other person. We know because we've been that other person, too. And it's very difficult when we receive something like that to not pass it on again. And again and again, eventually, it's kind of like a wild animal set set free. You know, once we've said those words, we can't control where they go (laughs) once we've released that energy. But eventually it comes back to us. That's the karma. Eventually we also experience that, perhaps, probably. So the practice of being able to feel what we feel, be present with what we feel, and transform what we feel, before it goes out in our speech is deep, profound, a wonderful gain when we do that. It's like Judy was saying, these things are habitual. We, we develop habits of speech. And our habits, practiced over a long period of time, become our character. And our character creates our karma and, and creates the situations that we then live out in this life and future lives. I mean, I don't know what your belief system is around that, but Buddhism talks about many lifetimes, many, many lifetimes. That's the good news and it's the bad news because it's the good news we get to try again, <laughs> have another chance to learn. And the bad news is we have to go through a lot of suffering again. Um, So it makes sense to try to make some progress now while we have more or less sane bodies and minds, (laughs) stable, more or less, and uh, this chance of being able to really bring into our conscious awareness what those habits are whether they're the kind of habits of speech like Melissa was was bringing up of internal talk that is negative and damaging 
or external talk, or both. And mo much of this is driven by feeling. So it's very important to pay, pay attention to our feeling, feelings, emotions, and to not take them so seriously. And the Buddha talked about all the body and our thoughts and our thought patterns and our feelings and our perceptions and even our consciousness, our ability to cognize what we sense. Those things are all impermanent. So when we feel something, it's so hard to remember this is a fleeting moment, especially if I'm willing to let it go. And I don't cling and clutch, even we cling and clutch to bad feelings, negative feelings, sometimes. So if we, if we can remember, okay, this anxiety, this fear, this anger, this is not going to last. If we can remember that, and we can start to develop it's really like developing muscles at the gym or whatever, you know, if we can develop the stamina to stay with the feeling and watch it change and move without expressing it out. I mean, I used to think my feelings were so important and they had to be expressed because that's what truthfulness was, honesty. I hate you. <laughs> In that moment, maybe I do feel that. But how skillful is that? Not very. Um, I don't know that I've used that one. But, the, you know, just that tendency to think I have to express this because this is my reality. The thing that, that became so freeing was to realize is that really my reality? I mean, it's what I'm experiencing now, but it's moving, changing. And where does that come from, those feelings? That's not reliable. That's not truth. Not really. I could say, I'm feeling this way. That's more like it. But the tendency is to, to say something that's really about the other person, not about me. If I come back to saying, talking about myself, my own feelings, first of all, that's a very vulnerable place to come from. So we have to practice it. That we're willing to do that. And then, you know, be willing to say, I feel, I feel upset. I feel hurt. I feel sad. I feel scared. Uh, a lot of times if we're experiencing anger, it's because there's really something else underneath. They say anger is the tip of the iceberg. And then you look underneath, and what's underneath? And feeling hurt, feeling afraid, things like that. So my, my mother's 87, and I feel like um, we've had a good relationship, but it's also been a very challenging relationship. And I used to really want to change her and I see a smile over there, <laughs> Deanne. So, yes, we know how well that works. So I realized that I was the one who had to change. And 
one of the things in the dynamic between us, these habits, is that she has certain ways of acting and expressing herself that I, I start to feel very irritated by. And you know how miserable it is to be irritable with your 87-year-old mother <laughs> and then feel really bad about it later because, you know, a lot of that she just can't help, especially at this point. So now what happens is that, and, and she knows me really well. I mean, she may, be, may not be able to remember what she said five minutes ago, but she can pick up on what's going on with me like that. So I can't hide anything. And then she'll say, are you irritated with me? And I've learned to say, and this is really true, I, I feel irritated, but you're not doing anything wrong. As soon as I say that, the whole situation, the energy in the room changes, and the energy in my heart changes. Now, how did I come to that conclusion that she's not doing anything wrong? I base it on the five precepts that the Buddha gave. So the, the Buddha said, don't kill any living being. Refrain from intentionally. I mean, there's the unintentional. I just stepped on those ants. The other day I stepped on a snail. I felt so bad. You know, you hear that crunch. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, don't, don't kill anything intentionally. Don't take, refrain from taking what isn't given. So it's, it's not to steal, but it's also not to take um, anything that isn't freely offered. Not to use our sexual energy in a way that harms ourselves or others. And then there's the one about speech. Well, we'll jump to the fifth one first, to avoid using drugs and alcohol that cause us to you know, lose our, our mindfulness and our heedfulness. So the speech part. My 87-year-old mother says, that's the hardest one. Well, she's 87. A few of the other ones just don't matter anymore. <laughs> but it is hard. It's so easy to say something. So hard to deal with the results if it's not skillful. And when I look at what I'm feeling irritated about, and I ask myself, is she doing any of those? Is she breaking any of those precepts? No. She's just being annoying. Well, <laughs> I'm feeling annoyed. <laughs> and so when I started to look at it that way, I started to focus more on what was going on inside of me. What are the things that bring up those feelings? And what is it that I can do about that? And that un uncovers some habits, habitual patterns and triggers that set, set us off. And then comes the grand opportunity, once you see it, any habit made conscious can be changed. No matter how long we've been practicing it that way, no matter how much history there is, no matter who we learned it from, from the time we were born, whatever, once it's made conscious, we can change it. Isn't that exciting? Mm -hmm. <laughs>
just takes a lot of work. A willingness to pay attention and catch it. Even if we catch it after it goes out of our mouth. I had a friend once who taught, he was a teacher of communication skills, and it was great to have a relationship with him because we'd be having a heated discussion, and he'd, he'd kind of go, okay, now if we want to say this in a way that really is non, non-violent, then we do it like this. And we had this little mechanism we called rewind. When things just started to go off track, to can I rewind back to before I said that? <laughs> and we were generous enough with each other to say yes. And I would really try, you know, just let's, okay, let's just go back. It was a great way to be able to practice learning, you know, how that avalanche uh, happens and how to come back to before things really started to fall apart. So I wanted to share a story with you about a Peace Pilgrim. I don't know, has anyone ever heard of her? Yeah. She, she was a, a woman who started walking for peace in 1953, which was the year before I was born. And it was during the time of the Korean War. And she walked, well, she counted 25,000 miles. And then she stopped counting. Like, that's enough counting. <laughs> she went across America seven times, and she went to the south and the north. And she thinks she was in every state uh, someone even took her to Hawaii and Alaska so she could walk <laughs> walk Hawaii, walk Alaska, and in Canada as well. And her, her, she was a pilgrim, and she was very much like a, a wandering monk because she didn't have anything. She didn't carry money. She only ate when people offered her something to eat. She slept along the side of the road if somebody didn't offer her a place to sleep at night. And she was quite amazing. But she said when she was young, just just kind of after finishing school, she had this situation where a good friend of hers um, became jealous of her. Um, she had gotten her Peace Pilgrim, before she was called Peace Pilgrim, she had gotten a position that this other friend wanted. And the friend said some very nasty things about her to other people. And so, of course, that's painful. But she made up her mind that she wasn't going to say anything unkind and that instead she was going to say only kind things about this person. And so she said she thought of every kind thing she could truthfully say about this person and that's what she would say to others. And then she said there came an opportunity where she had, an, she had a chance to do a favor for this person, quite a significant favor that she did, And she said the upshot of this was a year later, she was the maid of honor in this girl's wedding. And you can really imagine how different things would have been if she would have responded the way I'm afraid I think most of us would probably react. So this is an exercise in self-restraint, an exercise in mindfulness and heedfulness, and an exercise in real determination and commitment to something that she understood about the nature of karma. That what we do comes back to us. Now, she did that friend more than one great favor 
she didn't pass on what this friend was doing. I mean, there's still the karma that that friend made by saying those negative things to others. What happens when we say negative things to people about other people? What's the image they have of us, for example? So when the Buddha talked about speech, he recommended five components for skillful speech. First of all, what we're saying should be true. And we should be saying it only because there's a good purpose behind it. So we don't have to tell everybody everything we think is true. (laughs) We tell them what is useful, beneficial. The third thing is we say it in a, in a kind way, gently, not harsh. And not only do we say it in that way, but fourthly, we say it from a heart of loving kindness, not with inner hatred. And if that sounds strong, like I don't have inner hatred, just any kind of negativity. Like I'm saying this because I'm ticked off at you and I kind of want to, no. Even if you say it with a nice voice, the energy's there. It's not, it's not okay. So saying it really from a place of kindness. And then the fifth one I think is really important, that we say it at the right time. And sometimes the right time is, you know, 30 seconds. You have that window of opportunity when it's the right time, and you let that go by, and then you don't have another right time for you know, a month, and that's okay. Learning that kind of patience is really helpful. And I have one more thing I want to share before I close my part. I was witnessing a, a, a daughter and a mother kind of in an argument, and they're, I know them very well. And the daughter was very angry. And she said some things that were hurtful, quite hurtful. And the mother didn't come back angry, but she came back with, you know, like all the reasons why she's doing what she's doing, which didn't really help at all. Listening deeply to the daughter's anger would have been better. It's easy to call them from the sidelines, I must say. (laughs) Hard to do it. (laughs) And um, the daughter really felt like, what else could I have done but yell at her? You know, I've tried to express this before. What else could I have done? I had to say it that way. I think that's something to really reflect on. We feel that way sometimes. But I think that we can really find better ways, better ways to express ourselves. Even if the emotional intensity is in our speech, that can be okay. It's important for people to understand how serious this is to us, but to be able to say it without the blame. When we're blaming, there's something we're missing. When we're blaming, we're focused on just what this person's doing wrong, what this mother's not doing right. But In that moment, the daughter has forgotten all the wonderful ways the mother has been supportive, all the wonderful things the mother has done, and all the things she can't even remember from the time she was born. This is is 
when we bring in the big picture, we don't blame. It's a more balanced view. We still have the wisdom, the clarity to know what's wholesome, what's unwholesome. We still have the ability to say, when this happens, I feel like this. I feel hurt. I feel upset. That's important. It's important to have clarity, wisdom, knowing. It's really not okay when you speak to me that way because this is painful. Let's try something different. We'll have more time to have questions and answers later, but now I'm going to turn it over to ISN to cheat. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.